NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Comeback Stories is a production of Inflection Network and iHeartRadio. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We're here for another episode of Comeback Stories. And today we are here with Sybil Fox and Rob Richardson, known as Fox and Rob, who are a New Orleans couple whose marriage survived despite years of incarceration. So their story was profiled in a documentary called Time, and then their book is called Time, the untold story of love that held us together when incarceration kept us apart. Welcome to the show, Fox and Rob. Oh, thank you so much for having us. What a title, comeback stories, huh? Hey, we all all have one and we all love one. And I think we're about to hear another epic comeback story from the both of you. Darren, I don't know, have we had a guest, um, like a duo, ever before? No, I was going to bring up this is the first time we've ever had a duo, but I feel like as we dive deep in, We'll see how, you know, just through you guys' love and the endurance of that love, how you guys are one. So it's really like we're interviewing one person, but it's two, you know. <laughs> we received that one, Derek. <laughs> Could you guys start and maybe just give us a little background how, or of the two of you, and then how the two of you became one? Oh, wow. Um, I guess it would uh, take us all the way back to 1987. Uh, well, we met as uh, high school sweethearts through a mutual friend of ours. Now, it depends on which one of us you ask this particular question as far as the answer that you get, because there's my uh, version as to how we met, and then, of course, there's Fox's version <laughs> as to how it is. Right, one's well, the truth. And you know mine is correct. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm going to give my uh, my version, uh, but the version uh, that uh, that I hold to is uh, that Fox and I met while uh, she and a girlfriend of hers uh, <laughs> was uh, shooting hooky from school one day. We were taking a mental health day. Right. And that's her story. She's, <laughs> she's sticking to it. 
and uh, on say uh, on said mental health day, uh, <laughs> the mutual friend that we shared needed a uh, ride home and knew that I was home visiting from uh, from the uh, from the military on leave. Uh, went by to offer them a ride. Uh, Fox answered the door. Uh, from the moment she answered the door, uh, something came over me that I think some people may uh, call a king to our uh, love at first sight. Um, so it was going to take maybe the rest of the day in order for me to actually figure that part out, whether or not she had uh, had me uh, had me smitten in, uh, in, in such a way. Uh, crazy enough, I ended up inviting my friend over. He came over with us. And then, uh, long story short, he tried calling Fox later uh, to no avail. And uh, later on that night, I came back home realizing that uh, I hadn't used the phone since the last time that uh, a friend of mine made the phone call to Fox. Oh. And uh, we had an old service that used to be in place back then called Star 69. So I hit Star 69 and it went right back to Fox's uh, number, to which I started talking to her. And then she um, immediately stopped me and she says, wait a minute. She said, I thought that you were Wanda's uh, man. Wanda is the mutual friend that I mentioned uh, at the onset. Well, I said, well, no, one and I are just friends. She said, well, that's not what she told me. And I uh, took the advantage of yet another service we used to have called three-way. And I said, well, why don't we call it all three-way? That way we can hash all of this out. <laughs> so she ended up calling it all three-way. And uh, probably about a few minutes into the uh, into the conversation, I saw it and Wanda was continuously misrepresenting our relationship. So I cut in. And I said, well, damn, how do we, how do we get to this point? You know, of course, she was busted in the moment. She conceded. And... Uh, uh, to say uh, to say the least, uh, thereafter, uh, Fox and I stayed on. The I was in love at that night. point, you know. <laughs> but that was uh, to what uh, 1987, and here we are, 36 years later, 26 years in matrimony, six sons that we have raised together after having served 21 years as a formerly incarcerated couple in Louisiana before we received clemency from our governor in uh, 2018, and actually the only family in the state of Louisiana. Louisiana that received clemency out of over 2,000 applicants in in 2018. <laughs> so if that's not a comeback story for you, I just don't know what he is. So to answer your question, uh, Darren, it was at that moment uh, after spending uh, 21 years separated and apart from one another uh, that Fox and Rob were born. Uh, it was a constant reminder to us uh, to uh, never do anything to uh, create uh, that level of separation between us again. Yeah. Hence, we spell our names uh, as one, F-O-X-A-N-D-R-O-B. Kind of like Paul to Saul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Saul to Paul. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a transformation moment for us. You know, you know coming from, um, you talk about not wanting to create that separation ever again. And I feel like it's important to highlight how that separation came about because I feel like the, there are certain people in America that may see as somebody that may have committed a crime and it's like, you know, they don't know the story behind it. They don't know the human experience behind it. Um, could you could you enlighten us on what may have led you to do what you had to do? Like, what was your human experience and your story that led you up to feel like that was a decision that you had to make just for your own life? Well, I think uh, one, I have to say thank you for explaining it as such. It was a human experience. And as long as we keep living, we're going to have just those human experiences is what what makes us human. And for us, after six months of being married, Rob and I had uh, launched our first business, had finally put our family together after 10 years of dating off and on again. And um and in the midst of um, launching our first business, our investor pulled out on us uh, without 
without any type of answers as to why or um, what changed or any of that. And um, and we panicked between the investor pulling out on us, our um, the new home we had purchased as our first family home. We discovered it had a cracked foundation and a, a bad leak in the roof with the whole second edition of the house was faulty. Uh, in the midst of that, if that wasn't enough, the department that I was teaching in full time um, ended the division in which I was teaching, so I lost my job. And if that wasn't enough, our youngest son started having seizures that they couldn't diagnose, landing us with a ton of medical bills. And so um, if there is a place in this life that is called the end of your rope, um, we found ourselves there in 1997. And when you're at the end of your rope, I think one of those things that holds us grounded uh, is our moral compass. And depending on how far you go down that rabbit hole or how dark you allow things to get for you, um, Darren and Donnie, it depends on the decisions that you make at your lowest points. Uh, I've heard it said that circumstances don't reveal the man or woman, um, don't make the man or woman, they reveal them to themselves. And so in that moment, with our, t our faith being tested, um, our moral compass got off and we figured if we couldn't get it the right way, we would succeed at any, by any means necessary. And, uh, and it was that mentality of uh, what we call the American dream syndrome. When you're willing to do whatever you got to do to succeed or to obtain the American dream, um, it took over us and landed us to making a decision that we would uh, end up regretting for the rest of our lives. So in 1997, when faced with financial challenges, to spell it all out for you, um, we tried to regain financial solvency by taking money from a credit union. I've heard you use the quote, desperate people do desperate things. And I can relate so much to that. And Darren and I's, our backgrounds come from addiction and we're currently in recovery. And when I heard that quote from you, Fox, it just made me think about all of the desperate things that I did um, in the depths of my addiction. And in so many cases, just really didn't get caught. Um, or if I did get caught, the consequences, it just it's looked it looked different. But I can relate so much because at my rock bottom, I mean, the decisions that I was making um, were out of complete desperation and they were not wise decisions at all. But I think that's where the power lies, isn't it? Nice. I mean, when we hit rock yes. bottom, I, Rob and I have a quote where we say one thing about rock bottom is once you reach it, there's nowhere to go from there but up. Right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, like Donnie said, as being uh, a former addict um, and talking about that human experience, I always try to let people know and inform them that um, I didn't just want to become a drug addict just because I wanted to run my life into the ground or I wanted to make poor decisions or I wanted to have this be my legacy. I was just somebody that wanted to change my circumstance, wanted to change how I was feeling. And um, ultimately those small decisions lead to a place where, yeah, your moral compass is off. But at the end of the day, it's about trying to get people to see people like us as people and not as our mess because our mess may be where we're currently at, but that's not who we ultimately are. And um, that's right. That's a message that we have to keep pushing because it's, it's it's so easy to just stereotype somebody or you see something go across the TV and be like, oh, man, well, what what's he doing? Like, he's tripping. Like, why would he make that decision? But it's way more uncomfortable to get into 
sit down with that person, sit across from them, talk to them, get to know them and see like, hey, we all people that are really just trying to, you know, that's right. Avoid our fear, get over our fears, you know, step into a life that we want to live and provide and protect and, and all these things. We all have the same goals and we all have the same heart posture at the end of the day if we can allow ourselves to get there. I like that heart posture. So true. So can you walk us through what the the sentencing was, what the criminal system looked like back then, and then what came up for the both of you as you were faced with that sentence? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's important uh, to note for people that are listening in that uh, the time that I was sentenced was 1997. And this was uh, just at the uh, point that uh, the uh, Clinton crime bill had kicked in at that moment. Uh, the Clinton crime bill created a thing called truth in sentencing uh, that required uh, states who receive federal funding uh, from the federal government uh, to sentence people uh, convicted of crimes. Uh, to serve out 85% of the uh, the sentence that had been handed uh, handed down as a result of those monies that states had taken uh, for you know people are uh, committing crimes. Uh, with that being said, I've received uh, as a first offender a 60 year sentence. Uh, my nephew received a 45 year sentence, and my wife two uh, seven year sentences and a five year sentence. Um, you know, uh, all as uh, as first offenders uh, in a crime that uh, no one received. Uh, no one. Uh, no one died from the crime. No one uh, was hurt, uh, physically hurt from the crime. And, any, and, and by no stretch of the imagination uh, do I berate uh, the trauma that, uh, that takes place when someone uh, takes something of value from you, uh, whether by note, by firearm or, or whatever it may be. Uh, the fact still remains is that it's a traumatic moment for you. Uh, but what was uh, equally as traumatic for us on the other side of that uh, was the, uh, the heavy sanctions. Uh, that had been handed out to us, especially when you kind of looked out over the landscape as far as what the uh, national average was uh, for people committing similar acts, as well as a, a parish uh, average uh, for the parish where the uh, where the crimes themselves were committed. Uh, so these uh, sentences were really uh, uh, outside of the uh, the social norms uh, for what had been happening both in the nation as well as uh, in the uh, in the parish that had happened there. Uh, so to say that we were bewildered, uh, that we were flabbergasted, we were floored, uh, man, we, uh, we, 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 I, I thought for sure that maybe he was reading uh, from someone else's sentencing transcript uh, in our particular matter. But uh, it wasn't until we got the paperwork ourselves that we realized that, OK, there was no mistake made here. This was just flat out injustice, you know, at a, at a whole nother level. So uh, probably therein began uh, began our fight. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So uh, Fox, I'd like to know when, at what point did it go from, okay, like this is unacceptable, this needs to change, to you wanting to step in and uh, be like, okay, like I'm going to do something about this or I'm going to do my part in seeing change come about? Probably the first night I went to prison. <laughs> um, it was one thing to be housed in the in the um, jail, in the parish. But when I actually was um, remanded to the Department of Justice, um, for me, it was in that moment of seeing how they were how warehousing human beings and how it was that, um, um, man, just the deplorable conditions that they had U.S. citizens living in um, stateside, not in a third world country, and the treatment of those human beings. And, and I, I honestly thought that uh, as an American citizen, when we were casting our citizens into incarceration, that we were doing so to rehabilitate them and make them come out better citizens like they do in other industrialized nations. But I did not realize how entrenched slavery still is currently uh, in the United States and that our prison system is a slave system by a new name. Um, And so my prayer when I got to prison was, Lord, just let me use my voice um, for the voiceless that are here. I had a master's degree by the time I went to prison. And, um, And what I learned while I was there was I met the first adult in my life that could not read or write. And not was it just one, it was many of them um, striving to get just a literacy education in, in jail, in prison, um, less than lonely, uh, a GED while they were incarcerated. And so I understood that I had a responsibility that maybe it wasn't just my action or me losing my moral compass um, that got me here, but that I could use this for the greater good of mankind and take my transgressions and transform them to really become a um, a voice for the voiceless. Darren, because we've all got a calling and sometimes we can let our downfalls and life be our pitfalls and we stay there or we can let them be our springboards for the work that we're supposed to do in this life. And that's what Rob and I and our entire family, our six sons, they 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 bought in as well to understand that this system had done an injustice to our family. Certainly, we deserve to be chastised for our transgressions, but we did not deserve the treatment that our um, state 
sanctioned against us. And and sometimes when these systems don't do right by the people it represents, it is the people's responsibility. It is our duty to address the system. It is our duty to fight for our freedom, Brother Dare. It, it, it is our duty to win. And so we, we set out to win. We set out to show them that you do this to me. Then, uh, as I say in Time Movie, uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out on Amazon Prime. Uh, nominated for an Oscar in 2021, the most honored documentary of 2020. Um, and that is, I say, success is the best revenge. How do we get back at a system that was intentional about destroying us and our family? We succeed anyway. Rob, I've heard you say, so you're faced with this sentence and you say, if I'm going to get through this, I'm going to have to use some of those core principles that you know to be true. What what were those core principles for you that you had to put into practice when you were incarcerated? Probably uh, some of the ones that stand out most was uh, from a uh, from my uh, my uncle. Uh, he had given me some um, some uh, rules to live by uh, when I first went off to prison, and uh, uh, those rules uh, basically consisted of for one, uh, I knew that I had to uh, I had to stand like a man. Uh, I knew that I had to uh, speak truth to uh, to falsehood. And uh, I knew that if I was ever going to get through this, I knew that in order for me to get through it, I had to come into it with an attitude that I would never give up, that I would not uh, allow uh, defeat uh, to be uh, to be the end, uh, the end result of, uh, of my fight. Uh, so it means that I had to fight uh, tooth and nail. And uh, so with that being said, I started, um, you know, redirecting um uh, my energy uh, started redirecting my thoughts. Uh, I started learning uh, how to read the law because, uh, you know, one of the things that you realize is that um, when you're in a fight, no one's going to fight as hard for you as you're willing to fight for yourself. Uh, and with that being said, I knew that it wasn't necessarily going to be a lawyer that was going to get me out because at the end of the day, lawyers go home and they go to uh, soccer meetings and PTA meetings with their kids and they hang out with their wives and their friends, you know, between work hours and those things. And I'm not on their mind, me or none of their other clients. But for me uh, and our family, you know, we breathe, uh, we slept, we we ate, we walked, we talked uh, law all day long. And, um, it wasn't until I started uh, practicing law or uh, learning law on my own that I even started to see breakthroughs in my case. And that was after countless lawyers and, and, uh, and oh man, thousands, I'm talking about tens of thousands of dollars that had been spent uh, on lawyers that, um, you know, that had no clue as to how it is uh, that they were going to get me out, uh, let alone uh, the best form of representation, you know, like cars and uh, like medicine and those kind of things. You come to find out that there are people that are uh, specialized, people that know how to work on engines, don't necessarily know how to work on brakes. Those work on brakes don't necessarily know how to work Trans- on transmission. Yeah. Doctors uh, all don't work on brains. They're not all heart surgeons. You know, some of them are just general practitioners. Well, in a lot of this, I realized that a lot of lawyers, uh, you know, when you talk about your pre-trial lawyers, most of them are general practitioners of the field. Uh, they do a lot of deal cutting and that kind of stuff that happens on the front end of sentencing. But what I was in need of was a special was was a specialist and specialists in this particular field are hard to find. Uh, when you start studying case law and those things, you start realizing that the specialist is the person that's locked up. You know, you think about uh, precedents and laws that change that 
change the momentum or the direction of where we go in terms of how the pendulum of justice swings. It doesn't happen as a result of an argument that took place that some uh, fancy lawyer made inside of the court system. It happens from some jailhouse attorney that sat up uh, 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 in the wee hours of the night under poor lighting that read between the lines where the writing uh, was not necessarily written uh, in order to, you know, uh, carve out an argument uh, for fundamental justice. And, uh, and they prevailed on those matters. And as a result, we get a change or we get a bend in our laws that, you know, kind of move us in a different direction. And that didn't start happening for me uh, and my family until it, until I started to take responsibility for the situation that I had put myself in uh, through my own choices. Mm. You better speak on it. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, for real. No, nah, for real, man. I, I think it's beautiful that what I got from you is um, around perspective, like as opposed to, OK, yes, I've been dealt a, a pretty shitty hand, but I'm going to be an active participant in the solution here. I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to teach myself. I'm going to be a part of this to the point where as you do that, the, the type of energy, the type of, you know, miracles that you're attracting to yourself in that process is a, uh, is a powerful thing. And I, I, I want to know something because you, you guys fighting, you guys trying to educate yourself. Um, a lot of people would want to have that breakthrough or that change happen overnight. Whereas you were in prison for 21 years. So it's like, what, what do you think looking back like was something that you can take from that time of like, I wish this fight could end earlier, but still having gone through it, is there anything that's like a valuable type of lesson that comes from that, from having to wait and in like a, in just living in this Instagramification world, is there anything we can take from that and you guys' perspective? I think for me, and I'm gonna let Rob finish it because this brother here is one of the most patient people I've ever met in my entire life. When you talk about the patience of Job, this brother studied Job while he was in prison and the grace of Job God gave him. But for me, it was about eating the elephant one bite at a time. Um, knowing that as long as I get up every day and I'm biting into this elephant, doggone it, it's gonna be devoured. It has. Um, the second thing for me was about counting all my wins. Very often when the victory didn't come out the way we want it to, we'll just skip over all the other smaller wins or the wins that we need to get us. You know, it's like, um, I, I don't watch a lot of football, but my family does. But you know how they move the goal line and then you get to the next goal. It's like the first down and the second down mm -hmm. and the third down. And you keep going down, you're going to get a touchdown, yep. right? So that's what the small wins are to me. It's like the first down. And, you know, so I, I chill the first down. You know, some people are like, oh, it was just the first down. I'm like, no, baby, it was a first down, you know? Right. Um, so all the way, every man, and uh, not just the Super Bowl, but it takes all those other wins to get to the Super Bowl. And then for me, probably the last thing is that um, live at the moment. You know, it was at one point on our journey, I was so busy living for the day that Rob was gonna come home that I realized, Brother Johnny, I wasn't living at all. <clears throat> I didn't even have my children living. Everything we did was, we talked about the future. When your daddy comes home, we're gonna do this. When your daddy comes home, we're gonna, life is gonna be great. But I said, had to come to terms, probably after we had done 10 years, I had to come to terms with the fact that I'm not guaranteed to see when he comes home. Truth enough, I'm working toward it. Truthfully, I, I believe that it's coming. But honestly, I don't know when God is going to decide that it's my last day here or his last day here. And so I can't just live for when he comes home. We have to live in the now. 
And so if we are an incarcerated family, yeah, we know what, how great we're going to be when we are a free family. But right now we're one hellified, strong, incarcerated family. That's what we are. And we're going to celebrate that. And we're going to live in this moment and, and enjoy our visits. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Darren, I got to say, man, I'm loving how you've really made yourself at home in the big city. I'm curious, how are you getting around? You a subway guy, cab, Uber? I'm glad you asked, Donnie, man. I am uh, got the honor to partner with All-American Ford over in New Jersey. Uh, they've been taking really good care of me since I got out here. And that's what I love most about them, man. They treat me like I'm family, not just a customer trying to get a deal or, or just a statistic. Um, you know, they give me great service. You can tell they got a commitment to quality. Um, the innovation is unmatched. And uh, just so if anybody's, you know, like me trying to get around in New Jersey, don't know where to go, I'm telling you, go check out All-American Ford here in Jersey. They're going to take real good care of you. When we come back, you'll hear more of this inspiring comeback story. There's so many, so many powerful principles that Darren and I talk about. I mean, you're, you both are rattling them off. Uh, Rob, you had talked about redirecting your energy and redirecting your thoughts. And that's uh, as a mindfulness teacher, meditation teacher. I mean, this is the essence of, of what we do, right? To everything is energy, where our attention goes, energy flows. And, and as you were saying, Fox, it's like that conditional happiness, like I'll be happy I'll be free when Rob gets out. And it's like, no, happiness happens in the now. And it brings us back to what you were just talking about, about being in the presence. Another word that comes up for me that I'd love to have you both touch on is acceptance. Like at what point, and I think a lot of people struggle with acceptance as they think 
acceptance is giving up or giving in. And I always remind people that acceptance doesn't mean you have to like it, but we do have to accept the reality of what's happened. Um, otherwise, we're just holding on to things that we can't control. And I think that jams us up even more. That's right. I would have to add to uh, that, uh, Donnie, you, uh, when you, I'm talking about almost immediately, that first thing came to me, uh, probably uh, one of my favorite uh, Bible scriptures that basically says that I have learned that whatsoever state I be in, that which to be content. To be content about something doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be satisfied with the outcome or how things are are happening. But what it does is that I think that there is something that is empowering about um, about acceptance. It's in that moment I think that you start to build out the um, the uh, the pathways uh, for knowledge and insight to come in in order to give you what's necessary in order to fix the problem uh, that's in front of you. Uh, but all too often, like. Um, you know, and when faced with conflict, when they're faced with with uh with troubles, you know they 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 want to they want to check out. You know they want to, and, and it's normal, I guess, because I mean when you think about it, uh, Jesus almost wanted to check out. You I know, he asked that the bitter cup, uh, you know, that he was faced with, if it could be removed from his lips, let somebody else have it. I don't want to uh, have to go through it. But there was a moment of acceptance even for Christ when he said, "But if it's your will." then let thine will be done. So in that moment, I realized that I came from um, from a, uh, an ancestry of people uh, that had been fighting for over 400 years to, uh, to undo this condition uh, that, we, that they knew as slavery, that we now know as mass incarceration. And it was in that moment that I had to tap back in. I had to realize that the DNA that ran through those people that had fought under conditions far worse than the ones that I was facing uh, in mass incarceration. And again, that's not to berate or denounce anything about mass incarceration because it is about as close to slavery as you're ever going to get. Uh, but with that being said, uh, like I said, I knew that it was in that moment that God had called me to do something, uh, something special. Uh, it was up to me to uh, transform my condition, my situation, and make people um, see it as something uh, different than uh, than what had uh the hand that had been dealt to me. I want to continue on the theme of uh, the human experience. Um, I'd love for you guys to give us a glimpse uh, into the joy, the elation, just exuding on your day of release. But at the same, at the same time, what what were the emotions of transitioning back into daily life together? Was there anxiety? Was there any level of fear? Um, uh, for individually and collectively, like can you take us through the an, entire experience of of your release? Oh my God, it was uh, like a bittersweet <laughs> kind of moment. Uh, I mean, when you go from being in a situation where there's uh, that you know that you don't have the same level of stimulation, and keeping in mind too that uh, when I went to prison, I went to prison two years on the other side of um, of uh, Windows ninety five. You know, uh, by the time I had come home, um, my space had become a thing that was no longer a thing uh, by the time I had come home. Uh, when I left, you could just wave at the gas attendant and they would turn the pumps on. You pump a tank of gas, you go in and lay a 20 on the counter or whatever, and you leave back out. Uh, when I came home, gas pumps were talking to you. They were trying to sell you stuff and all kind of other things. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy. You know, this is like otherworldly. You know, and uh, it was in those moments that you kind of realize the uh, the real uh, disservice uh, that our, our Department of Justice uh, does to those that are incarcerated because 
um, technology. The, the technology for me while in prison was considered contraband. So the very thing that I needed to know and needed to learn in order to be functioning and uh, you know proactive in society was considered contraband. To me, it was almost like in slavery when people were not allowed to read and then all of a sudden the next day uh, people were allowed to be free and roll, but you can't read and you couldn't read. Sick. And you know, you're a grown man or a grown woman at this point or whatever. And it's like, well, how do I function? How do I communicate in, in, the, in the new world? You know, so those things were, you know, were really uh, challenging for us as a, as a couple. Uh, being in a space where I'd been in an overcrowded dormitory. I mean, there were more than, uh, Angola is the largest uh, prison in the world. There's more than 6,000 men uh, that are incarcerated where I was incarcerated. There were, mm-hmm. you know, more than uh, 100 men in my dormitory, uh, more than 500 of them on the pod where I live, and more than 2,000 of them actually live in that uh, in the uh, yard space that we lived inside of. So you're talking about sharing five showers with 100 men. You're talking about sharing one TV with 100 men, uh, two telephones, uh, one kiosk, one, one uh, coffee pot, one, uh, one uh, drink fountain, uh, five sinks, six urinals. Do you imagine the conflict that is always present when you have that many men competing for something uh, essential? Essential. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so coming home, you know, um, I was hopeful for privacy. I was hopeful for some downtime and time alone and where I wasn't necessarily uh, having to share my space. Whereas my wife had been fighting and uh, battling for years so that she could actually have me back uh, in her space and we could be in intimate spaces and we could be, you know, hugged up and up under each other. And that was challenging for me. You know, what was uh, seen as... Um, uh, a moment that you thought that I would have been excited and elated to be able to have my wife in the shower with me. It became like a thing of like, you know, like I was going through a moment because it was like, man, I just fought to get out of this condition. You know, so it's just like those little things. We battled about how many times do married couples even supposed to have sex uh, uh, in, in a week's time? You know, thank God for Google. Because <laughs> when the question is first posed, I mean, you know how it is when it comes to men. You know, when it comes to your sex drive or whatever, you know that's that's something associated with your 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 masculinity. It's associated with your ego and those kind of things. And especially when women question it on the other side of it or whatever, you know that's a real uh, that's a good way to make you go uh, go soft, right? <laughs> you know. So just having those moments, but even in Google. Uh, thank God, you know, we realize how many times our uh, married couples actually have sex in the course of a week uh, by state, uh, by, by country. country, you know what I'm saying, by continent. You know, and I realize in the moment, I'm like, oh, okay, well, our numbers are up. We're doing pretty good here. You know, but uh, again, like I said, those are just many of the challenges uh, that we faced uh, as, a, uh, as a returning couple, you know, coming back from the condition of our incarceration. I would love to know a little bit about what what makes love last. You guys were able to keep a marriage together after twenty year twenty one years of incarceration. But what what would you say makes love last? Like why why does one couple stay together while another falls apart? I mean, you guys were able to do it through twenty one years of separation and incarceration, and most people are struggling to keep a marriage together, and they don't have any issues near like that one. So, what makes it stick? I think for me, one of the first things I would have to say is that I clearly understood that we were stronger together than we could ever be apart. 
Um, I found value in numbers. When you think about the insect kingdom, um, you don't just see one ant, you know, um, you don't see an ant by itself. You see ants around. Uh, one of the one of the things that I share what I'm speaking is that when you see a roach in your house, you know, you don't just have one roach. You got roaches. <laughs> so for us, it was about if the animal kingdom, you know, lions, they travel in prides and fish, they swim in schools. If they understand, nature understands the importance of us being together. Um, that that was something that I needed to implement in my own life, that my husband and I and our children, we were stronger together than we could ever be apart. Um, the second thing for me is about being intentional. Um I was intentional that if Rob and I were not going to make it, it wasn't going to be because of the state of Louisiana said we couldn't be together. Um, just the fact that they were insistent about denying us our family made me more intentional to say, oh, no, if we don't make it, it'll be on our own terms. But it won't be because you said we can't make it. You said we can't be together. Yes, it is. And uh, it just made me think Fox and I were just watching a, uh, a comedy uh, skit on um, maybe Netflix or so the, uh, the other night. And one of the comedians and they had a profound um, uh, moment uh, when he made the statement uh, and it piggybacks off what Fox mentioned about stronger together. And he said that our goal has to be to keep our couples together, because when we keep our couples together, we keep our families together. And when we keep our families together, we keep uh, we keep our communities together. And I went one further in saying that when we keep our communities together, we keep our nation together. And when we keep our nations together, we keep our world together. So we understood uh, at the uh, at the smallest level, at the micro uh, level of it all, that if we could stay together, then we can make the rest of this uh, this work out for us. And um, I guess they say. Um, the proof is in the pudding, but it is definitely in our experience at this moment, you know, because uh, never giving up on one another, understanding um, that our union was something special uh, to us, even if it was not to uh, someone else. And we uh, it was something that was uh, worth fighting for. And uh, we had made a vow to one another till death do us part, not incarceration, not hard times, uh, none of the things. Uh, but uh, we, as long as we had our uh, breath and uh, breath in our lungs and, uh, you know, the vigor to get up and move and so forth, uh, we were going to make sure uh, that we stayed together at all costs. I think that that would probably just be one of the things that we would want to encourage your um, listening audience, Donnie and Darren, um, to do is to hold on to each other. Oftentimes, when difficult times arise in our lives, the first thing we do is get rid of somebody that's close to us. We off, we attack, we target those people that are closest to us. And, and normally it's our family members. Um, and instead of clinging to one another during the tough times, instead, we we create more conflict with one another during the tough times. So I would just challenge you to hold on because it's better on the other side. And again, we are always stronger together than we can ever be apart. Mm-hmm. That's 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 good right there. I'm uh I've been married for seven months as we record uh this oh, podcast. Uh, congratulations. Uh, that's, a, that's a that's a word of encouragement I could take with me. So I appreciate you guys. Um, I yes. like to know as you guys, I, I saw you guys develop a nonprofit. Uh, I'd like to know how has uh you guys' purpose joining together since 2018? How has that continued to expand over these last five years? 
Fight, 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 fight. We believe that to be free is to free others. And what God has done for us, we have been commissioned and ordained to do for other people. Our um, ministry, our nonprofit is Rich Family Ministries. And uh, we have an initiative called Participatory Defense Movement NOLA. Um, PDMNOLA.org is our website. But we teach legal awareness to families that are justice involved. We are one hub that is practicing this model out of 40 hubs across our country. And we judge our success by how much time we save someone from um, serving time in prison versus how much time they actually serve. And so to date, our organization, we started six months um, after Rob came home from prison. And to date, four years later, we have saved 3,400 years of time behind bars to include bringing home the longest serving woman in our country through clemency, as well as being able to um, change a pass uh, um, a resolution in law in 2021 that has given over 3,000 families an opportunity to come home on parole of people who thought that they were going to die there because they had such a lengthy sentence. So, um, yeah, that's that's the work that we do every day. And for those that may want to follow our work or find out more about what we're doing, our website is foxandrob.com and um, and um, richfamilyministries.org where they can find out more about that work there. And uh, all of our handles as well are Fox and Rob. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I love that you guys are essentially creating pathways back to freedom. And I feel like in my role as a teacher, 
teaching teaching yoga, leading as a personal development or life coach, it's the same thing. It's creating pathways back to freedom, whether it's in a yoga class, if you're moving your body and breathing intentionally, you're moving energy, you're, you're essentially freeing yourself from yourself or all of the things that the body remembers because they say your issues are in your tissues. And so to be able to, <laughs> move, to, to move that stuck energy and the trauma and the things and the emotions, the unwanted stuff that we push down, it's in there. So when you talk about creating pathways, that word freedom means it runs so deep for me and maybe in a, well, definitely in a different way than it maybe does for you too, because mine was rooted in the addiction and being bound in that. So I have a bracelet on my uh, wrist that says the word freedom. And it's, it's just, I want to be free. And in order to be free, it's about service and freeing others. So yeah, to be free is to free others. And it's the easiest way to get out of our own way is just to go go help somebody else. Yeah, well said, Don. Yes, yes. Well said. And then I got one more for you, Donnie, too. Um, you say, um, like, the intentions, I think you say it, is where you set the course of your intentions, something about your intentions. What I say is where the mind goes, the behind follows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I want to thank you guys so much just for... Um, your story for your resiliency individually and collectively. Um, I feel like a lot of people will be blessed from hearing your story, uh, seeing your story in the documentary um, by going and checking you guys and your work out on the website. So we just want to thank you and honor you for taking, taking the time in your life to uh, spend a few minutes with us because I feel like somebody's life is going to be changed from, from hearing this. So we just want to say thank you. Oh, we thank you all. It takes a lot to take our mess and turn it into a message for other people and, and, and to be that vulnerable. So Donnie and Darren, we thank you for your vulnerability and how you're blessing our world by sharing your story and your truths. Thank you right. both. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm wondering if you can leave Darren and I and our listeners with a nugget of maybe there's a there's a couple out there that's they're just ready to throw in the towel. They're ready to give up. What would be some advice that you would give um, a couple that's just really struggling? Uh, they know they're struggling, but they don't know what to do about it. I would give them the advice that Rob gave us when we were in our lowest moment during our marriage, about 13 years into incarceration. God just so happened to have him in a marriage and family counseling course. And what did you learn in that course, baby, that saved our, our marriage? Probably one was, first of all, you have to get over yourself. Uh, but <laughs> secondly, it is that you have to treat your relationships like a bank account. And the objective of a bank account pretty much holds true to that of a relationship. The main goal is to place far more deposits into the relationships than the withdrawals that you're going to take from time to time. But if you place enough deposits into the relationship, it can withstand uh, some of the withdrawals that are just going to come with life, you know, uh, as a whole. Uh, so by far, that was really one of the greatest takeaways that I had from uh, from the class. And crazy enough, uh, the author's name was uh, Gary Smalley. Um, and the name of the book was uh, Making Love Last Forever, uh, Donnie. <laughs> you know, just uh, ironic that you even mentioned that just seconds ago. Um, but yeah, that would probably be some of the greatest advice that I could give to uh, young couples, uh, aged uh, couples, uh, you know, and the likes is uh, just... Put more in and you take out. That's it. Simple, simple. Yeah, thank you so much to the both of you for coming on and sharing your story. And 
we love a good comeback. We love the people that are turning their mess into their message and their pain into their purpose. And uh, you two are doing it and it's um, a legit power couple. And it was an honor to for you two to be our first duo here on Comeback Stories. So thanks again. Uh, <laughs> well, we look forward to coming back and for your listeners, uh, your viewing audience, uh, our book time is available. The book really goes further than the documentary into our truths along the way. And so the nuggets are there that, that you know, that we need to encourage us. So I would offer our book, Time, the Untold Story of the Love that Kept Us Together When Incarceration Kept Us Apart. There you go. Go get mm. it, listeners. Go check that out. Go check that out. <laughs> we out. Y'all be blessed. Yeah. Thank you so much. Peace. Comeback Stories is a production of Inflection Network and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.